0: I love them. I don't care what anybody thinks. I love the Beatles for them and I'll always love them. Even when I'm 105 and an old grandmother, i love them. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the She Loves You podcast, a podcast where we talk about the incredible women in the Beatles' lives. Everyone from The Wives, the girlfriends, the groupies, the friends, the roommate affairs, and especially the fans. Guys, I am so happy to be back with you all. It's been a while. Um, not really. I mean, the last time I think I uploaded was in November, so it's been a couple of weeks, so not too long, but I am always glad to be able to do this uh, for you guys as well. Um, wow. It's been, I guess, in terms of a while... It's been a while in terms of Beatles fandom, you know, things that have been happening over the holidays. Um, Just insane. I mean, we have been so, so blessed with being able to have, you know, be a Beatles fan in this time. You know, it's been it's been insane. And, um, you know, we have had the honor of having this Get Back documentary that really has taken all of us by surprise i think in ways that we wouldn't have thought as beatles fans we weren't really sure what to expect i i sure as hell know that i wasn't but i'm so grateful that peter jackson really and paul and ringo you know putting themselves on the line like this have decided to release this you know unseen footage because it's truly a miracle and You know, I've seen Get Back a total of two times now, and I'm probably going to watch it a third time just because, you know, it wouldn't be me if I didn't do something like that. But, you know, I can honestly say that I am so grateful to everyone that brought this together and, you know, showed us the side of the boys that we all thought we knew, but we really didn't know. And I'm so happy that we were able to finally understand what that era was about, what was really going on and boy have there been some surprises but ultimately yes i did tune to get back as i'm sure all of you have over the break and what an amazing movie am i right i mean what an amazing piece of footage in history you know that's you know for us it's like winning the golden ticket you know we are so blessed to be able to have gotten all of this and i'm truly just amazed at how well it all came out um there's a lot of things to be grateful for, I think, as Beatles fans, and especially now. We're getting so much info and so much um, behind-the-scenes looks, and it's truly really wonderful, and I'm I'm very, very happy about that. Now, you know, this is the She Loves You podcast, and we do talk about the incredible women in the Beatles' lives. And while Get Back is definitely, you know, it is them making their album. It is the boys doing what they do best and composing music you know, making an album, working together to be able to do it, given under really harsh circumstances, but they are working together. But again, as I mentioned, this is the She Loves You podcast. And I wouldn't be me if I didn't go ahead and say the women in the Beatles' lives played just as an important role in this movie as much as the boys did. I was heavily surprised by the amount of times women were featured in this movie and also what women meant in this movie. It was really incredible to witness, and I'm not just talking about the wives, I mean, I'm talking about everybody, I'm talking about the women that worked at Apple, Um, you know, even little Heather, children, little girls. So for this episode, which I'm so excited to talk about, I'm going to be discussing every single episode in detail, but specifically, how how is a woman involved in this episode? Is it a wife sitting by their husband while they watch them record one of the greatest albums of all time? Is it a little girl in the studio? Is it a woman in Apple working behind the desk trying to figure out how to handle the cops trying to stop a rooftop concert? All this and more we're going to discuss, and we're also going to take a look into the Beatles' past and what the past women of their lives meant in the current in 1969. So... I am so excited to do this episode today, but I did want to also do a quick disclaimer. I actually will be reviewing Get Back as a whole. Um, That is going to be a bonus episode that I'm going to do um, possibly not anytime soon, but it will be up possibly within, I would say maybe in January. Um, I will have a special guest, and we are going to talk about all about three episodes. It'll be a bonus episode. It's not necessarily about our ladies, but that'll be later in the future. But for now, I would love to talk about Get Back, but I'd love to talk about the women of Get Back more specifically. So stay tuned, because I cannot wait for this amazing episode. So, you know, of course, I really didn't know what to expect going into Get Back. You know, I think we all thought it's definitely going to be this great big documentary, but we just didn't know, right? And so episode one starts off, and we are in Twickenham Studios. We immediately sort of are brought into this world, and we see them arrive. Of course, the first woman, or woman, I keep saying women, but the first woman that we see is Yoko Ono. Now, I think we all sort of figured that Yoko was going to be a big part of this movie a big part of this project because i mean let, let's face it 1969 in january she and john were joined at the hip it was un- they were inseparable um it was just that sort of thing that it was you know nothing could break them at that point and i think obviously it was a big change you know because they did start dating in 1968 so you know those months and of not being you know separated really it affected a lot in more ways than not but we immediately see yoko and she's sitting there on the first day of rehearsals right next to john immediately and it's sort of the first it's sort of the first clue into us seeing that you know she's going to be there every day she's going to be sitting next to john she's going to be supporting him through it all um and, you know a lot of times people forget that he wanted her there the whole time Um, whether yoga wanted to be there herself is another story. And I'm sort of in the, I'm sort of in the minority, I guess, of people that truly believes that she didn't actually want to be there, (laughs) want to be there. Um, it was, excuse me, it was probably more, she definitely wanted to be there for John more than anything, but I don't think she wanted to really be there. I mean, because what was she going to do, you know? So we see her there and, you know, she's knitting, which is probably like the most sort of like interesting way of looking at it, because I think we all have this conception that Yoko was overbearing <clears throat> and overpowering. And the truth is, is that couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> she was very quiet relatively and really kept to herself. <clears throat> and throughout watching this, it's you know, it's come to the big conclusion, and I think a lot of people have been really remarking about this on social media and Beatle fans that I've spoken to. You know, we just know that Yoko was probably just a victim of complete sexism and complete racism because we see how, how I mean, really, she was just there and she wasn't doing anything, you know? And it's incredible just to see how... This narrative of her being this horrible human that broke up this legendary band came into light, but the truth is, not not that wasn't true. You know, she was just there and <clears throat> was trying to kind of keep to herself and really mind her own business. And um, you know, I think that's sort of the most interesting thing about all this is we know now that she was just there. Um, and it was it was it was really interesting to see that sort of opening and seeing her at the beginning overall. Then we eventually see Paul walk in, which was great because, you know, we we finally are getting each one of the boys around. And it's the first time we actually get to see Linda McCartney, but then Linda Eastman, because they were not married yet. They would have married in a few months by that point. Um, we And something really interesting is, you know, we, I've seen, you know, I think Linda's beautiful. She's always been a beautiful woman to me. But um, <clears throat> being able to see her on camera was amazing she is so beautiful and like in such a natural way and i was like really amazed at how just freaking gorgeous she was um and her i'm so sorry guys i'm like choking today but anyway her and paul walking in hand hand in hand was just so sweet and um I think I think Linda did also feel a little bit awkward in that situation because, you know, she's coming into this sort of family, you know, this Beatles family. That it must be daunting for any person, especially you know Paul's girlfriend. Um, but you know she she was there and was willing to be with him because he he wanted her there too. And and I think I think it was sort of the the trend that now that John had really um, you know, brought Yoko into the studio when before it was no wives, no family allowed, now it was, you know, sort of things were changing. And I think Paul, Paul knew that as well as all of them did. So he took advantage of that. And, you know, he, he wanted Linda there with him and Linda came right with him. So, you know, it's, it's interesting to see that sort of change as to, you know, if you're going to bring your girlfriend, I'm going to bring mine, you know, type thing, um, which I guess could really go into the pettiness of all that was going on then. But, you know, That's something I guess I would talk about in the actual Get Back episode because that's a lot to unpack. But yes, um, we eventually see Paul actually uh, speak to Michael Lindsay Hoog or Hoog. I can never say his last name, so I'm only going to say Michael for reference. But we see um, Paul introduce Linda to Michael. And um, it's very, very funny because um, Paul mentions something to the effect of, you know, Linda's a cameraman too. and he just looks amazed because she's a very pretty girl. And, um, you know, he's like, you're the prettiest cameraman I've ever seen. And, you know, it's really funny. Um, and I just, I found that really, really hilarious overall. Uh, and, you know, just being amazed with Linda's beauty. I mean, I think as we all are truly, uh, you know, and I, I was noticing as, you know, the, the, we see them starting to work, we see Linda sitting there, not really next to Yoko yet. I think she was still kind of trying to feel her way around. She looked on very curious and um, she knew that she left them to their own devices and she wanted to kind of be respectful and let them do their thing ultimately. And that was sort of what she needed to do. And I I really respect that, um, given I think I would have done the same thing. I mean, you know, you walk into the situation you're just gonna sit there, you know, that's kind of what it is. Um, Funny enough, I think I would have gotten bored as crazy as that sounds, but it's just like one of those things. But yeah, she was looking on very curious. Um, She's just on the side sort of watching. uh, And, you know, she eventually gets talking to Michael because, you know, what else are you gonna do? And um, Michael remarks that he really, really likes Ringo, and that Ringo's kind of the sweetheart, and Linda wholeheartedly agreed, and I loved this little interaction. She said that she felt the most comfortable about, about, uh, around Ringo, which I think says a lot about uh, the kind of person that Ringo, you know, he really, really was. It was, uh, it was really nice to see that sort of interaction and know that Ringo was probably less intimidating than John and George, which is interesting now when you think about it. Um, how Linda probably felt the most comfortable with Ringo. And um, yeah, it's just very fascinating to me, that little sort of confession of Linda's, um, which I can I can honestly see at that time, John was someone that was not as approachable. And George, I think, was going through a lot, as we all have seen in the film. So, you know, of course, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with Linda. I think Ringo was probably the more of the, you know, let's hang out, let's have fun type person at that point. But I loved I loved that little uh, interaction. And the great thing also is, is we immediately see Linda taking photographs, um, which I think I think Peter Jackson, I mean, also, you know, props to the editors of this movie. Uh, they were able to take, you know, fragments of her sort of photographing the boys and photographing people in the room, but do it in a very really, like interesting sort of theatrical way where we see her, you know, take her pictures and then we see the results, the actual pictures that came out of it. And it's it's really amazing to see the results, just how beautiful Linda's pictures were and you know, she captured them I don't think like anybody else did and just the sort of relaxed state that they could be behind Linda's camera lens which I loved and we we were seeing her in her element and I absolutely adored that. And they were very aware of it but you know nobody was bothered or anything. I mean Obviously, someone sticking a camera in your face can always be like, oh, you know, but um, they were very much okay with her there and okay with her taking pictures, which I thought was uh, just, just really interesting. And, you know, as I said, the results are perfect. And yeah, I just, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> and also just during the, you know, as the events flow on, we see the boys, you know, really play and whatnot. And we really see Linda sort of jamming out on the side, as I think we all would be, but the the great thing was is we even saw Yoko dancing, which um is great because I, I you know she's she she's not a really expressive person a lot of the time, so it was great to be able to see her sort of be happy and and dance to the music and you know see that sort of childlike spirit of hers coming out and i really really loved that about her in that moment and you know just the fact that the two girls were just jamming out and you know uh having fun you know because i think ultimately there was tensions but there was a lot of fun as well eventually we do see paul kind of interact with linda more because he obviously didn't want to leave her alone for too long so they share they share these great moments in this movie particularly when they hug or just even hold hands, um, cuddle with each other, it's so amazing to see sort of that, that moment of these two people that really were getting to know each other, but were already, you know, deeply in love. And... It, it, I don't know it was just so romantic and <laughs> I'm not really a romantic person myself but even I had to admit you know there was moments where I just I said aww to my screen because you know they were just so in love and it's so clear in that in those interactions with all the high stress Linda always gave Paul that security and it was great to see in those moments just the huggingness and the romanticness of it all and just just wonderful. And then, of course, because we're girls, uh, Linda and Yoko even get gossiping at one point and are talking. And it was uh, it was pretty, pretty amazing to see that as well. Uh, you know, because I've seen pictures of Yoko with some of the other women, um, but not as frequently. So it was interesting to see that Linda and Yoko were kind of stuck in this similar situation of okay, well, we're both the women in this circle right now. So we have to team up because, you know, we got to support each other. So it was great to be able to see them talk as well. And I I loved that little moment of them gossiping, you know, who and who knows what they were talking about because stupid, whoever was not putting a mic kind of in that moment, we can actually hear their conversation, which I will forever be mad about. But at the same time, it is private. Um, so we can't always you know get what we want as the rolling Stones said but uh i loved that little moment of just two girls gossiping about and yeah it was was wonderful that little moment and then the biggest the biggest amazing part of it all is that towards sort of the uh end of the episode um after sort of everything that's happened in that episode and the kind of big event that occurred we finally see Miss Maureen Stargy make her first appearance in this movie. And guys, I mean, her coat. I'm sure you have all seen her amazing fur coat that she wore. I mean, and her makeup. You can see it up close and in film. Like, she's a legend. She's an icon. She is the moment, you know. Just an incredibly beautiful woman that made such a presence and especially to my stepdad, I have to say, because I did watch this with my stepfather and he was amazed by her beauty. He said, wow, she's gorgeous. And I was like, well, yeah, of course she is. Uh, and he, he, and, oh God, and I hate saying this, but he could not believe that Ringo managed to score Maureen. You know, he said, what a lucky guy. And it's Ringo, you know, which poor Ringo, you know, I love Ringo, but yeah, Maureen was very, very, very gorgeous. Um, and what a smile you know throughout the whole time she's just sort of sitting there taking all this in because they've just had a big issue and i'm sure you all know what i'm talking about um and she's just sort of you know taking it as it goes and i and i think that that just showed what you know who she was as a person a very easygoing person and uh it was just so so cool to see her appear because I, I knew she was going to be in the movie, but I wasn't sure to what extent. And just having her out in the first episode was my favorite thing ever. And in that outfit, I mean, come on, guys, uh, just beautiful, beautiful. And she's drinking a glass of wine, which made it even better. You know, she's just she's just there to have a good time. You know, I love her for that. So it was great to see Maureen. Uh, and we get this funny interaction, I think, with with Paul. I believe it was, and and he sort of uh. John and Yoko, I think, were getting ready to go, and Paul sort of jokingly was just like, "All right, you two lovebirds, get out of here," you know. Uh, and as they left, it was, um, it was, it was interesting because, you know, Paul was half-heartedly joking, but at the same time, I, I do think it's—I I don't know—I I don't think he meant it, but at the same time, it is interesting how he, you know, phrased that. Um, sort of joke in a lot of ways, but yeah, just a little Paul joke. Um, and finally, towards the end of episode one, we're getting the group of people that are all involved in this, as well as the boys and everything, talking about possible uh locations that they could play live. And many ideas are thrown around. And I think Michael even suggests the cavern at one point. And the greatest thing of this interaction was Maureen you know, sort of jumping, not jumping, but, you know, she kind of leapt up a little bit from her seat and she said, yes, yes, the cavern, the cavern. So I thought that was funny because she actually was a cavern fan. And you all know the story. She was the original sort of fangirl. So it was really funny to be able to see that in the movie and her get so excited over it. And I just loved that little moment, how she was still such a Beatles fan deep in her heart. and yeah. Episode 1 was great because we got to see sort of these three women and their glimpses and yeah it was it was really really amazing. So now we move on to episode 2 and this is sort of the <laughs> the how do I call it it's it's the oh god let's see what happens next episode so we know that um George has inevitably left the band at that point and the meeting to bring him back has not gone as well as they would have hoped the only two Beatles that showed up around this time are paul and ringo and paul and linda of course show up everybody sort of sits in this big uh circle uh talking about what this all means and the fact that john isn't there as well the fact that george is gone it's all sort of a big big thing Linda, uh, as I mentioned, you know, sort of gossip was gossiping with Yoko the previous episode. So she kind of gives us a little insight into what their conversation must have been like, you know, Um, and she she makes a comment that I thought was interesting is she thought that uh, what Yoko said was not particularly what she actually thinks John meant or rather she feels as though Yoko was speaking for John. And she felt that John didn't really believe a lot of the things that um, Yoko said that he believed in, which I I actually really found interesting because, again, we don't know the context of what Yoko was saying. So again, I can't really make a comment on that, but it is interesting to see that maybe there was more to the situation that we knew. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to see that maybe there is more to the story when it comes to what John was really feeling at the time. Uh, given we don't know what Yoko said, so I can't comment too much on this. But I think it does bring to light a little bit of the the sort of way their relationship went. The idea that you know Yoko maybe spoke a lot for John, which I guess at that point was sort of what was going on. Um, John was more about her letting take the reins a lot of the time. Which, given, there should be no reins on a relationship, so I would hope you all speak your own minds and all that, but I think at this time, it was a very vulnerable moment for them both, so maybe Yoko speaking on his behalf was sort of the way to go, but it is interesting that Linda sort of maybe felt that that wasn't what John was actually thinking a lot of the time. Um, But, you know, the next great, I guess, interesting interaction is the fact that Paul... You know, it really comes to their defense in a lot of ways in this sort of big conversation. He says that uh, they're not as bad as we like to think, you know, it's it's, you know, they love each other. And that's all that is going on here. It's not some big conspiracy, Uh And I think it's fascinating that Paul sort of commented on that because everyone at that moment was sort of talking and and saying, oh, it's not really what John thinks. But at the end of the day, I think Paul, you know, was like, look, everybody, at the end of the day, he loves her. She loves him. You can't really do much about that situation. And we have to move on because ultimately, John is going to do whatever John wants to do. And um, I think that was sort of a great way to put it in perspective, because while we may not necessarily agree with a lot of the things that were going on. There was love there, and that's sort of the end of the road and end of the discussion, really. I think Paul brought it to that. And he makes probably the best statement, I think, in one, in the whole movie is, you know, he makes the joke, imagine in 50 years what they're going to say, how Yoko broke up the Beatles because she sat on an amp. And, you know, Paul really did, you know, predict the future. It became crazy, and Yoko, till now, is still blamed up for the breakup. So I think it was really philosophical of Paul in that moment and that kind of crazy moment to sort of declare the future and predict what it would be in a lot of ways. So I thought that was really interesting. And, you know, I think that's sort of the thing about Paul is he was always looking towards the future in a way. And I think he saw it probably clearer than anybody in a lot of ways. And, you know, they ask him throughout all of this exchange, you know, how has John changed? What is what's changed and he says that the biggest thing is well obviously the dynamics of us have changed drastically you know and and um it's sort of just it is what it is but obviously the biggest thing was the songwriting they used to write a lot more but ever since maybe things have changed and John maybe fell in love things have changed um he's not saying it was specifically Yoko's fault but things have just changed and again, that's he. I think he attributed it to, you know, people change, people sort of outlive each other. And also he mentioned that the fact that they weren't in proximity as much as they used to be. Back in the day, it was you toured with these people all the time. You were in the same hotel room. You were in the same bathroom. It was just one of those things. But now that, you know, priorities have changed, um, a lot of the dynamics have changed within the group, but especially John and Paul's relationship. So I thought that was really, really interesting. And then the discussion sort of begins to be about you know as as paul leaves to actually speak to john the discussion is now between sort of michael and linda and a lot of other sort of the engineers and roadies. at that point they are wanting to see the beatles play live they are wanting them to get back to this place get back but um get back to this place where they used to be and linda sort of fangirls at that moment because you know she was a Beatles fan as well so um just like Maureen she she fangirls and she says that you know we want to see them live we we want to see them be what they were we want to see that you know as fans and and she she's like you know she says she says something like uh I I'm talking as a fan you know because I'm a big fan and you know it's it's sort of a great um little bit of Linda having a little fangirl moment which I I really appreciated. And then something just occurred that really just ugh, made me really mad. And I'm not sure if any of you caught it, but I suppose this is something that I wanted to talk about a lot. And and I, I probably will do an episode on this, but the idea of sexism in this circle, there's a lot of it, and we we know this. Um, because you know, when you're the only girl in a room full of men. There's going to be a lot of mansplaining going on. There's going to be a lot of sort of this idea that the men think that they know better. And poor Linda, you know, she's there giving her opinion. And of course, Michael has to give his sort of opinion as to the all knowing man. When Linda declares that as a fan, she would love to be able to see them live, he all of a sudden blurts out, oh, well, I'm a bigger fan than you and Linda kind of plays it off and's like oh we should fight about it then and it's sort of a funny thing at the moment but it's just the weirdest it was the weirdest the most like ugh you know cringeworthy moment of of the of the movie well i mean there was a lot but i could go into that but it was a very hard sort of moment to take in just because it's um uh, you know, it was 1969, you know, it's it was, a lot of work was still to be done in terms of women's rights. And it just, it you know, and it may seem small, but those little microaggressions can eat at you. And I think Linda obviously knew how to play it off. And, you know, people might say, oh, well, it didn't seem like it bothered her, but deep down that stuff bothers you. And it was incredible that Michael just decided to think he knew better. And I thought that was something worth noting, because again, these are women that are pretty much in this room full of men so you know of course it's of course it's difficult and I will probably touch on this more you know in in an episode or so because I definitely want to talk about that but uh you know it was just it was so so discomforting to watch that so I felt really really bad for her uh, well, then the great thing, you know, moving on from the inside of the, uh, from inside of Twickenham, we have moved on to going to, uh, Savile Row, right? And this was the big change. We all kind of saw a huge change from going from Twickenham all the way to Savile Row. This was an actual recording studio, was no longer a film set. So we immediately saw that the dynamics changed. But then as we, you know, saw the outside of Savile Row, we got sort of the first glimpse of the Apple Scruffs. And if you don't, if you guys don't know who Apple Scruffs are, they were this collection of fans that would stand outside, um, you know, that would stand outside Apple a lot of the time and uh, just wait to see the boys and take pictures with them and, you know, get out their brownie cameras or their Polaroid cameras and, snap a picture of them and they were so dedicated that George would later on write about the apple scruffs and I will talk more about specific apple scruffs in the future in future episodes but you know for now that was sort of who they were so we see two girls and we can clearly know that they're apple scruffs um because you know they they said that they're there usually uh and it's interesting to see how dedicated they were in a lot of ways uh (laughs) the girls actually see yoko go in with john and it's interesting to kind of see their faces as to you know what they were thinking at that point um and they actually do get interviewed and it was interesting because they asked them what would you like to see the beatles do and they declared, you know, we want to see them do a live show. And I think that was sort of what everybody was wanting at that point, a live show from them. Uh, and, you know, these girls probably grew up with them and probably did go to a Beatles concert. So it's interesting to see that they just desperately wanted it to be what it was. And, I, you know, it's I think the whole Get Back title is just so appropriate for this movie because I think that's sort of the recurring theme is get back, right? Get back to where, you know, you once were. Um, and then we get just sort of a really petty question from the interviewer. You know, what do you think of Yoko? And the girls are, are hesitant because I, I definitely think that they have thought certain feelings. Um, but they just both said, honestly, it's his choice. Um, we don't really have a say in it. And if he's happy, he's happy. And that was a great answer because it's not about anybody else. <laughs> um, then we get into the actual uh, You know, uh, women of Apple. So we see the women working at Apple. There's a hidden camera because for some reason the camera wasn't allowed at that point. So there's a hidden camera, and we see the women working there. We see the sick, the um, you know, secretaries. We see the um, receptionists. We see just these girls working, bringing in tea for the boys. You know, doing sort of these odd jobs around the office and. It was really, really interesting to see their outfits because it's very 69 and I loved them. And, you know, the mini skirts and the tights and it was just great. I absolutely loved it. And what a cool job, right? Like, I, I feel like I totally would have done something like that. It's just like an awesome, awesome job. Uh, And then we see a glimpse, you know, then we finally go into the studio and we're, you know, we eventually see them working and you know there's a moment where they take a break and paul well he makes a you know he makes a great sort of a great sort of reference to the past um and this is sort of something that was really interesting about this movie A lot of the mentions of the past were in this movie. I think, you know, like I said, it's sort of the recurring theme, what you once were. And Paul reads a paper about, you know, the current state of the Beatles circle. Um, He even makes an interesting reference about John having been married and how that's all changed. And there's these sort of little references that I think are just really, really interesting. Um. But yeah, you know, and and towards the end of the episode it's even more prevalent. Then overall we just sort of see Yoko reading as time goes on, but the, the interesting thing is that she was reading a Beatles um score book, which I like took notice of. I had to like pause my my TV for a few seconds, but she was reading a a, a Beatles score book, which I thought was so interesting cuz um she she I don't you, you all know she played piano and she really grew up reading music. So scores for her were just a, you know, And just super, you know, she would read them all the time. So it was so cool that she was sort of studying Beatles music. I thought that was really, really interesting. And then one of the most exciting parts of the movie as well was, uh, you know, we're finally getting into the studio. We see them working. Um, When I say working, I'm also saying messing around and sort of doing old songs because, you know, they're doing the oldies, you know, the old Beatles songs they would have done or sort of the old rock and roll covers they would have done. And they're having this big session or jam session um, with um, Can You Dig It? You know, that section that was really funny. Uh, We see the appearance of Miss Patty Boyd. Uh, I was very, very happy when she came in because I did not expect it. I expected maybe her to be mentioned, but I definitely did not expect to see her, even if it was for such a a brief moment, because it was way too brief. But we do see her come inside and the sweetest thing, George waving her over, you know, saying, come here, come here. And uh, he was just ecstatic to have seen her, I think. Um, And it was it was just wonderful because, you know, as, as she approaches, she kisses George and they're sort of. In wraps with each other and it was, it was such a beautiful moment to be able to see them uh, be so happy like that because I you know it's it's very sweet I, I really enjoyed being able to see all the Beetle couples in this movie be able to sort of interact in this way and it was so sweet so sweet and miss patty Boyd can we talk about that outfit she was wearing that beautiful coat and that bag and her hair I, I mean she's a gorgeous woman obviously but You know, again, just like Maureen, she's an icon, she's a legend, she is the moment. Uh, it was great to see her again. I am a little ashamed we didn't get to see more of her because you know, I I would have liked to. And here's the thing conspiracy theory Peter Jackson, if you're listening, I don't think you are because you're Peter Jackson and you would not be listening to my podcast. But there was what do you call it over like millions and millions of hours of footage there was more footage of Patty. You did just not include it. I don't know why you didn't, but I'm pretty sure there was more footage of Patty and I wish there was more. I just wish we got to see it because guys, like I said, there is. there was more. You, Peter Jackson cannot tell me that there was not more images of Patty. Oh man. And that's sort of the thing I'm going to like oh be mad about for the rest of my life. Maybe they'll release like a bonus features type thing. Um, I'm like wishful thinking, but I mean, maybe because it'd be really great to see her actually speak, you know, it'd be like so great, but yeah, she does make an appearance and it was great. And I would have loved to have seen her more though, but alas, those things happen. Then towards sort of the middle end of the episode is the really interesting part of this episode, I believe. And I think one of the most telling parts of this episode in particular, um, and also in relation to the past, uh, during the session, Paul. Keep in mind, Yoko nor Norland are in the room, so which is important to keep in mind. But Paul makes the sort of announcement that he has received the film of the India, uh, India sort of home movies that he took on his camera, because Paul, you know, he was the camera guy. He was always making films and stuff along with Ringo um but you know he was really happy and he was telling George and John and Ringo you know I finally got my film back and of course which I was heavily surprised about because I did not expect and these two ladies to be mentioned at all but he mentions how in the beginning of the the home movie sin and Jane make a really, really interesting appearance because it's sort of all these people with the backdrop of the sky. And Paul begins by saying it starts with Sin, Patty, and Jane. Now, if I tell you the heart attack I basically had and was pretty much like screaming and almost crying because I really did not expect to hear these ladies' names in this movie. Um, It was a it was an amazing surprise and i am so happy that we got a little bit of footage of them from that time was i freaking out because i wanted to see john's face when paul said sin oh you bet your darn but i was <laughs> i was so excited because she was actually being mentioned as well as jane which i think was so interesting and it, i i would have loved to have seen john's face it's just like, I laugh about it now, but it, you know, at the time I was freaking out actively. And, you know, if you go and watch that little section of, you know, Jane or Jane and Cynthia, it's really sort of a look into the past. And I think at that moment, John and Paul, and a lot of people were really thinking about the past. And I think... I think it was so interesting because, you know, this idea of the past is still revolving around them throughout this whole movie and it's sort of that old life that both of them you know no longer have and I'm very thankful that Peter Jackson included this because you know, he didn't have to. He could have edited it out. He could have not had them. But for one reason or another, they were in it and for that I am happy because again like i said i really did not think they were going to even be in this so when i got to see them both mentioned by name and in a video footage i freaked out so for a lot of reasons episode 2 might be my favorite but given episode 3 is wonderful for certain, certain obvious reasons but episode 2 man it just delivered and we got you know a mention of two old beatle girls which was so great and you know, just overall wonderful, wonderful. So now we are on the third and final episode of this whole experience. And for many reasons, I think this is my favorite, but as I mentioned, the second episode might be, you know, one of my ultimate favorites. But, you know, we finally get to this last portion of this great event that we're watching. And it really does start off with a bang. Um, One of the littlest Beatle women in this whole um, movie, makes a her grand appearance miss heather mccartney uh what can we say about little heather she as i mentioned before in my linda episode she was the biological daughter of linda's first husband melvin melvin c um so you know it, it was so great when we saw her enter the studio with linda and paul um i had heard some clips of her previous before this movie so i knew she was in there but i didn't really know the extent and i didn't know what she actually sounded like in a lot of ways so being able to see her speak was amazing the first sort of instance we get of her is she is talking about cats that she has acquired (laughs) um and it was really really cool to be able to see her be so chatty and i mean she she was six so uh You know most six-year-olds talk a lot i work with kids so i should know they love to talk especially when they start learning how to talk oof they are like chatterbox central they will not stop talking but it was so funny because she started talking about cats and particularly with john in this instance and their banter is so funny you know john's like when are you gonna eat those cats and heather's just like you can't eat cats you know it's it's the cutest little banter between the two of them um and it's it's just so funny because, you know, John, whenever I think of him with children, it cracks me up, um, which makes me wonder what his private moments with Julian must have been like. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it was so funny to see them interact in that way. And John always being, like, so funny. And Heather is a kid. So, of course, she's taking everything he says, you know, literally. And she keeps saying, I can't eat cats. So it was very, very funny. And we also just get, you know, Heather being surrounded by all of these musicians she watches them play um of course she's a six year old so she's pretty loud but it's just so wonderful to see her be in that element you know as a six year old I can't even imagine what it must have been like you know I don't even know if she remembers it now um because you know as a six-year-old, I know I don't remember much. I don't remember any <laughs> – I have a really bad memory. I don't think I can remember anything from when I was a kid. I can remember, you know, my elementary school years and so on, but definitely not when I was, like, a child child. So it's really, really interesting. Um, we also just see Linda sort of watching Heather interact, making sure she's not getting into too much of a mess. It's uh, so, so funny. Um, and also, we, we, we get to see the big thing of it all is we get to see Paul and Heather – bond a lot. You know, we see her on his lap, we see him sort of uh, him giving her piggyback rides. Um it's just things like that and we just see this immediate bond that they have and we can clearly see I think why Paul, you know, fell in love with Linda a lot of ways is because she had this beautiful little daughter and Paul was always sort of the family man and and you know he fell in love with Heather just like the rest of us did, you know. So it was so sweet to see that bond that they had, that instant fatherly connection that, you know, he gave for Heather. And um, it's very, very sweet to see that. And I loved how they edited this to make it look even more apparent and is wonderful. Uh, she also interacts a little bit with Ringo as well, um, being behind the drum kit, kind of pounding away, and also scaring him a bit with the loudness of the drums and her little adorable laugh that, you know, only a little child could bring on. I find that kids' laughs are the cutest thing in the world, and that's, you know, it's no exception with little Heather, just the cutest little thing. Uh, also, another thing, she's very observant, and I know most six-year-olds are. I know most kids are very observant, and, you know, it's it's that's sort of their the key element to them. But she's so observant and she's so smart in taking sort of everything around her and being able to sort of know what to do or what not to do. Um She even takes the lead and starts singing at one point. Um, I mean, when I say sing, I mean the way that kids sing, you know, which is a little tone deaf, not really on key and all that given, you know, she's not a singer, but it's very, very cute. Um, and Yoko even takes the mic at one point and sort of does her howling thing she does, which, you know, it, it is what it is. And, um, Heather immediately sort of notices and because she's a smart kid, she actually mimics her, which I found hilarious. Uh, because like I said, she's smart, so she knows what she does and the little smirk she does after she does it was probably my favorite moment. I could not stop laughing. Um you know, because her little face just says it all, you know, like, like, I think of what we're thinking. Very, very saucy. Love her for that. Um, And Yoko and John even dance at one point, which was really cute to see. They are in their own little world sort of dancing around. Um, And we just see Linda sort of in her element with her cameras. She's taking pictures as, again. And, you know, she, she, Uh she's so in her element at that point with like her cameras we see her with her camera bag and her two cameras and it's just cool to see how you know how much she loved photography and it was pretty amazing to see that and a little segment also towards the end of the sort of song they were doing is when mal actually starts dancing with little heather and it was very sweet because i think he was doing the twist um and just so sweet how all these men would like melt at the sight of heather and just you know be super cute around her and it was very very cute sort of a big thing that happens mm, kind of within the jam session is we see yoko kiss john and it's a very sort of passionate in a way kiss not very passionate but it was very intense and john announces to everyone that yoko's divorce had finally gone through and when i say yoko's divorce i'm talking about her first or her second husband tony um tony cox he I'm assuming at this point the divorce finally went through and um, John kind goes free at last, you know, we're free. But um, yeah, which was sort of an interesting way to go about (laughs) someone's marriage. Um, It was a little disheartening. I'm not going to lie. It was kind of a weird sort of section given. I understand, but it was kind of hard to swallow when it's like, bro, you're really okay with, you know, having ended a marriage in a lot of ways. But I digress. We're all human. We make mistakes. But it was sort of a really weird way of saying Yoko's divorce went through. But it's John. What do what would I expect? Anything less. So they were pretty happy about that, I guess. Um and finally and you know, finally, the this part of the episode is interesting because, you know, I keep mentioning I keep mentioning the idea of the past, right? And how the past can follow us in a way, and particularly in this movie. It's such a theme, a recurring theme, as I said. Um we see in the paper, um, it's about an exhibition that Yoko and John were doing, and we see how Cynthia actually does get mentioned again, you know, talking about John's old marriage and how the press would talk about that, and you know, John saying that he's, you know, happy with Yoko in the moment and we actually do get to see a picture of Cynthia, an old picture, which is interesting. Um, I think this is what, maybe the third, fourth time she's mentioned in this whole thing. And, and and this is the thing I keep saying, you guys. Peter Jackson did not do this on purpose. Things do not just happen. He did not just have this in here for no reason is what I'm trying to say. Things don't just happen. It was a for a reason. Peter Jackson is clearly calling back to Cynthia in the past with these mentions, given she doesn't ever show up except for the little home movie, but, you know, it's, it's very apparent what Peter Jackson is trying to say about the past and how you can look back at the things that you did or what happened. So I just think it's very, it was very interesting, these sort of moments where she was sort of semi-mentioned and, you know, just a very interesting moment. And finally, we get to the big main event of this episode, the rooftop concert. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I was crying by the end of it all, just because it was just so wonderful to see. But we got to see it in three camera sort of point of view, which is really, really cool. And I really, really loved the way that they edited it, because we got to see the street view, we got to see the building across the street from the actual building, and the actual concert itself. So we got sort of this multi-layered view of the rooftop. It's pretty amazing. So we see them set up, and the first thing I noticed was Maureen sort of coming in with Ringo. And Ringo sort of looking for her, for a place to sit for her. And we finally see three ladies standing, or sitting in this little ledge watching the show. Yoko, Maureen, and Apple employee, Chris O'Dell. Now, if any of you know who Chris O'Dell is, she was a faithful sort of um, assistant to uh, the Beatles and eventually the Stones and eventually Bob Dylan and whatnot. Uh, She wrote a memoir, which is it's a. Very interesting book, I will say. It's crazy. It shows you the crazy life of rock stars in the 70s and it makes you actually not want to ever have been in that world. And thank God (laughs) because it's nuts. Uh, I will talk more about Chris because she is definitely a very interesting person and had some very interesting experiences working for not only the Beatles, but as I mentioned, the Stones and Bob Dylan and Eric Clapton. So, you know, she definitely knows the ins and outs of the music business and what it means. Um, But yes, she was working for Apple at this time, and she was actually one of the few that were watching the rooftop right in front of her face, along with Maureen and Yoko. Fun little fact, which not a lot of people know about. She talks about it in her memoir, but I will talk about Chris at another time because her story is very interesting and it deserves a whole episode. But yes, she was on the roof as well, which I thought was a really interesting, um, interesting thing. Uh, Her being one of the few people up there that were not sort of in the Beatles inner family. So just really really cool So finally the rooftops concert starts we see them do the greatest songs that we know of on this album And it's just an amazing thing to see truly, you know, after all the craziness the commotion We're finally getting this concert that we so desperately wanted and we knew was coming But you know, I don't think we really believed it until this moment. So it was pretty amazing And the clearest thing, in my opinion, is just seeing the wonderful Maureen jam out to this entire thing. She will not stop bobbing her head. She will not stop moving. And it's just the best thing to see because she's one of us. She's a fan. She's an original fan. She's an original Cavern fan. So it was pretty amazing to be able to see her just go and go. And, you know, she's like all of us. We would have been jamming our butts up there. So I love her for that. Whereas Yoko's a little more calm, sort of, because you know that's how she is. But uh, Maureen just is going at it, and it's so great. As I mentioned, we get the three camera view, and we get people on the streets being interviewed, particularly a lot of women fans, and they're, you know, they immediately know who it is. They're like, "Oh, well, it's the Beatles, right?" You know, and it's it's just great to see people's reactions as well on the streets because some people love them, and some people can't stand them, and some people are wondering why they decided to make such a fuss. But it was amazing. And then, you know, we get the end of the rooftop concert. And of course, we know what happens. The cops come. It's kind of a annoying part of the concert because they could have kept going. Could you imagine they had kept playing? Oh, it would have been great. But it is the end of the concert. They all make their way back into the studio. And they are all listening to Playback. Maureen's there. Linda's there. Linda finally showed up. Uh, Yoko's there. Glenn's there. You know, everybody's there sort of listening back to this amazing concert. Uh, A lot of them smile. A lot of them are sort of in the moment really listening. But, you know, my my girl Maureen, she just keeps jamming out. She will not stop dancing. And I just love her for that because I know we all would have done that too. But she's probably the most enthusiastic of the bunch and is smiling the whole time. And it's amazing, amazing to see, truly. Uh, she even kind of nods towards George at one point, complimenting his guitar playing, which is kind of funny in retrospect. But yeah, it was amazing. And she really just brought a smile to my face this whole interview, along with little Heather. They were sort of the highlights and just absolutely wonderful. I I, I adored her in that moment. So I, I just I loved it. Um, and also she and Linda sort of jam out at one point and kind of smile at each other, knowing that you know, their significant others created this amazing album. And it's, it's wonderful to see them sort of bond over that. And I think that's kind of the cool thing about, I guess, you know, having to have dated one of them and married one of them. You're connected in this way. You know, you might be completely different people, but you're connected in this way. And it, it was really cool to see that sort of connection between the Beatle girls. And I I loved it. I loved it. And of course, Paul and Linda are sitting, you know, very close. Uh, she's on, her, on his lap and you know, we just see the love that they have for each other and it's just wonderful to see. And, you know, we even get a little bit of Yoko and John's sort of love. We we see Yoko smiling at John you know, I think he was asking for her, you know, if she if she liked the songs and she'll nod and smile. And it was just it was just wonderful to see them all kind of in this moment, listening to what they did. And I think really happy with the results. Um, because it made a, a world of difference, I think, being able to play live. So it was pretty, pretty amazing. And finally at the end of this whole thing it's so funny cuz L- Ringo at one point jokingly holds Linda's hand and um it was a very funny interaction <laughs> which I loved and it was sort of a great way to end this episode and it was yeah it was just great and you know these women definitely had such an impact and gave them a lot of support cuz I think they were driving themselves crazy so I think it was great to see them really in this element. All in all you know this experience was so amazing to see and we are just so lucky as beetle fans to have been able to get this and i think you know overall it was amazing to see the impression that the women made in this movie because you know it it definitely is about the boys you know of course it's their movie but I I just loved seeing these women be a part of that story in, in a big way because they were the support system. They provided, you know, them with this clarity and, you know, the input that they also had. It's just, it was wonderful to see as well as just the women that worked for them, you know, just, just cool to see that. And I'm so grateful that we were given this opportunity to actually see them sort of interact and as well, for the couples, see them in their element and see them be in love. It's very, very sweet. And I'm so thankful that we got any of this footage because it's a rarity. It's a true rarity. Um, but yeah, I, I I, loved this movie. It, like I've mentioned, I've seen it a total of two times now. Um, and, you know, the takeaways that I really, really have from it are the fact that Yoko really deserves... So much more credit than I think people really gave her and still give her. She did not break up the Beatles. You know, no one broke up the Beatles. The Beatles broke up because they broke up. It's really disheartening to see that for years, this lie really followed her around. And the fact that she was not anything like they made her out to be. I think it was, like, as I mentioned, pure sexism, pure racism, pure whatever you want to call it it happened. And, um, you know, I think it's just one of those things that, thank God, because of this movie, we are finally seeing that. And the world, I think, is going to have a very different view, you know, view of Yoko in the following years, because we know now that that's not the case, you know. Um, And it's, it's just interesting that this is sort of bringing up this big sort of reality, you know, it's, it's this, it's this big thing that was lingering. And, You know, as Paul predicted, it's going to be hilarious when in 50 years, they say that the Beatles broke up because Yoko sat on an amp, which isn't true, you know. So the biggest takeaway is that she was blamed for nothing. The women are amazing. They give them support. They would have gone crazy without their support. And I'm so thankful that ladies were just as involved in this really big movie as, uh, you know, just as much as the boys were. And, um, nods to Peter Jackson for for remembering the past and mentioning Cynthia and Jane. I really freaked out when I heard their names, guys. I don't think you understand, as a lot of us, I think, did in the community. Um, and yeah, I, 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 you know, if you guys have not seen Get Back yet, I probably spoiled a lot for you. But, you know, warning, spoiler warning, this is an episode that has a lot of spoilers. But, um, yeah, if, if you haven't seen Get Back, do yourself a favor, go see it watch the Beatles, but also these incredible women and see the impact that they've had on these men and, you know, just devour over like eight hours of Beatle footage, which is always fun to do in my opinion. So, you know, just go watch it and have a good time because it really is an amazing thing to see. And, you know, remember why we love them so much and remember the impact that these incredible women have had. And yeah, so I'm really, I was really, really excited to watch this and see the impact really but anyway guys this has been such a lovely episode um and as i've mentioned i will be doing a full review of get back sometime possibly in january i'm not really completely sure yet but it will be soon i need to sort of rewatch it a, four, a, a what is it now a third time to really remember as much as i do with the ladies <laughs> um but yeah, I will be doing that in the future, but I'm very excited because my next Be a Lady episode will be coming out soon, and the great lady that I'm going to be speaking about is none other than Miss Olivia Harrison. So very, very exciting. Look out for that. It will be up uh, soon. I uh, don't know specifically when, but soon. I won't hold you off too long. Um, and I hope you guys all had a great Thanksgiving. I hope that you all ate a lot of turkey and um, spent time with loved ones. And if you don't celebrate Thanksgiving, you know what, I just hope you had a great weekend. And I hope you all love to get back as much as I did. And um, yeah, I, I hope you listen to the Beatles every day. And you know, keep going because it's going to be great. And 2022 is almost here, which is insane. So another thing to look forward to. But again, thank you for have or thank you for listening to this amazing episode of the She Loves You podcast. I will see you guys next time. Bye-bye.